He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Welcome to the sixth episode of Not Your Average Cricket Show. Where we're hitting traditional cricket commentary for six. I'm Zoe George. And I'm Justin Gregory. We're following all the action from the ICC World T20 in the West Indies. We're bringing you analysis, cricket puns, history from the Cricket Museum and guest hosts. And you can also join the conversation on the RNZ Vox Pops app or email us cricket at rnz.co.nz. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public or at radionz.co.nz forward slash series and of course you can listen to us on the RNZ app. You can also hear some fine cuts on RNZ Nights with Brian Crump Monday night at 7.30. On today's show we analyse the semi-finals Australia versus the Windies and England versus India and of course we visit the Cricket Museum once more. This time it's all about the gloves. Today's guest hosts are former international cricketer and fellow Wellingtonian, I'm sure I can call you that, Grant Elliott and actor, long-time lotto presenter and cricket tragic Sonia Gray. Kia ora. Kia ora. How's it going? Hey, normally, Grant, we ask uh, our our co-hosts and guest hosts what their cricket background is. So, when, when what's yours? <laughs> um, well, I started playing when I was six, I guess, with my brother in the garden. Perfect place to play. Um, and then progressed through the ranks, the pathway. <laughs> Thought I was going to play for South Africa, but ended up playing for New Zealand. But play, so playing for New Zealand would have been, yeah, exactly. It's way better, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now, and now you play a bit of. Um, I saw Grant the other day at our local fair, and there was a whole bunch of kids lining up to bowl at him, and and so now you're facing ten year olds. Yeah, I get asked to do some random stuff, but I, honestly, I think the the days are gone where we give a shirt away and sign it. Mm. We've got to try and do something a little <laughs> bit more special, give some experiences. Uh, to the kids. So normally I give like an hour of my time or something, and then you can do whatever you want with it. Is that the only time you're picking up a bat or a ball these days? Yeah, I sort of, I don't know, it was strange. I was playing in uh, Birmingham, I was captaining the uh, Birmingham Bears uh, this last winter mm-hmm. um, in England, and I just, there was something that just left me, which was, I always used to wake up in the morning and just want to be the best player I could possibly be, and it just wasn't really there anymore. My focus was around more the the guys in the team, the younger guys in the team, and getting my satisfaction out of the game through growing them. So it was a lot tougher, the trainings and and the actual games. But nevertheless, enjoyed it. So you knew it was the right time to retire. It was an easy decision. Yeah, everyone goes, oh, you you just know. You know when uh, you need to retire. And I think I got to that point. I'd been... You know, doing a little bit in business and I realised that I was enjoying life outside of cricket and it is tough, you know, travelling away from family, being away, hotel to cricket ground. It's a great lifestyle but then I think it's not a great lifestyle for an older athlete who's got a family. Mm. And it must be mentally exhausting just trying to stay at the top of your game all the time, you know, having um, quote-unquote failures and then having to get back up somehow and carry on. Yeah, that's a good point because, I mean, you know, cricket's a game of failure. Um, I always talk about, you know, how many times you fail. You know, you've got Sachin Tendulkar who only scores 50 or 100 every, you know, uh, one in three innings. So Mm. he's failing 66% of the time and that's the best in the world. So you have to be resilient. You have to be able to um, fail well and learn from it. If you don't have self-reflection and a bit of growth mindset and resilience, I think you're going to struggle in the game. Mm. And that's probably why we see a lot of mental health issues as well. Absolutely. And the teams you've played in, when people do fail, who throws a real strop? Um, 
I I was pretty good at it at the start of my career, and then I was like, oh, such a waste of energy. Yeah. Um, Martin Gatto got pretty good at it. I'm not too sure how he <laughs> goes now. But generally, it sort of leaves you. It's like a, a young man sort of thing. Mm. You go in and you throw a tantrum. and But, it, like, the thing is, is that it does show that you care. Um, but the game just gets so frustrating. I've always thought there should be a punching bag in the corner. And you just go there and you just start whacking your bat on it or something just so that you don't destroy your bats. Um, but no, there, there is generally a lot of frustration mm. when you get out. But with the lows also comes the highs yes. as well. And and Justin, we were talking this morning. Would you like to reveal your story about your your Grant Elliott story to Grant Elliott himself? Yeah, because that's not at all awkward or embarrassing. <laughs> Let's do that. Um, you know what I'm going to talk about, Grant. It's the final over of the semi-final in oh, the 2015 Cricket sure. World Cup. I thought you were going to talk about Courtney Place or something. <laughs> I was like, oh. No, no, we've got a photo later on we want to show you, which <laughs> yeah. is in, in that area. But oh, okay. <laughs> He's like, oh no, oh no, we'll come back to that. <laughs> so to set the scene, I'm watching it on my laptop, some dodgy, slightly illegal feed from India. <laughs> and um, my partner's had to leave the room because she can't deal with the stress. I'm watching, you get a length ball from Stain, you put it into the stands. Now, I'm, I'm not a parent, but I imagine, the sensation I felt that day, I imagine that's what meeting your first child feels like, because it was one of the best feelings I've ever had, and I ran Ran around the ran around the house yelling and screaming. My partner ended up yelling and screaming too. We had a guest staying with us, a guy from Texas, who was just looking at us like we were nuts. Had no connection to it whatsoever. <laughs> How good was it for you? <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny. I mean, uh, it was actually a lot of relief when it happened because mm. you don't want to be that guy on the pitch that hasn't done it. I, I thought before that ball's bowled, I was like. I'm either the guy that's sort of won the semi-final or the guy that lost the semi-final, and you don't want to be the other one. <laughs> so there's pressure. huge wow. pressure. Yeah, yeah. So the amount of pressure that was on me was the most immense I'd ever felt. But to come out on the other end of it, you know, we spoke mm-hmm. about failures before, and that's a moment where you like those rare occasions where you actually come out on top. So it was really satisfying. Like the best games is when you go to bed and you actually feel satisfied that you've done your job um, as opposed to thinking, what more could I have done, you know? So I ended up playing beer pong till four in the morning and then uh, <laughs> having two hours sleep. <laughs> did, did you realise at that time, though, how, what an effect that four or that win had on New Zealand, the, the, the you know, New Zealand population, yeah, cricket for, lovers oh, for and sh- extras, <laughs> everyone really? Yeah, for sure. Um, probably more so like uh, the, the days after the event, but, you know, I I could see a whole movement of belief when Kane Williamson hit the six against Australia Mm. um, to beat them in the pool game. I think that that's when the whole public got behind us and thought, oh, we can actually win this thing. And then having that game at the semi-final, then you felt this real like momentum during the tournament and also self-belief within the team and a a, a calmness. I think when you're in a good team, it's pretty calm. Mm. Um, Oh, that's really interesting. And uh, there was a guy that came up to me at the uh, airport and he said, Oh, Grant, I just want to say, you know, thank you very much. And I went, well, you know, listen, it's our job, you know, don't worry. And he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. Um, I've had two children and that was the greatest day of my life. <laughs> see, see. Do you know, that's so interesting because I was just going to say that. Justin, you were saying it's, you imagine it's like when you, I've had two children, that moment was better. No. Oh, gosh, well, I hope your children are still at school so they won't be listening to this. <laughs> better than childbirth, you're telling me. Better than labour. Well, yeah, yeah I for, for women, labour isn't yeah. Childbirth isn't that great. But it was really, honestly, I was outside on my deck with the sound down because I just 
couldn't bear it, but I could bear it. So I was looking through the blinds with a bottle of wine, just trying <laughs> to will you guys on. And then that moment, because we live by Eden Park too, so I could hear it as well. And it was just, I mean, I cried and cried. It was, thank you for that moment of joy. <laughs> That's all right. We don't have enough in this world, do we? <laughs> but saying that, we had a fantastic win this week. Um, the Black wow, Caps against oh, Incredible. Grant, yeah. when you see results like that, do, does it make you wish, oh, actually, I should have hung on a little bit longer? Uh, no, I can't spend five days in a field. No, I didn't have the concentration <laughs> for it. Um, I realised that I was more a white ball <laughs> cricketer. But um, I went to bed, I think uh, they needed... Pakistan needed 41 with six wickets in hand. Yeah. Oh. They were doing it quite oh. easily. And then, See, where was the belief? No, I, I, I had work in the morning. <laughs> I stayed to the bitter end too. Yeah. No, I didn't. I, I wake up in the morning and I watch highlights with my kids. That's what I do. Oh, um, but nice. no, it was great. Like Really good to see any subcontinent win, I think, is an amazing win for New Zealand because we're just so poor at playing spin. Um, well, not not poor. I think it's just experience. We don't have the experience. You need to send guys over there for years to to become decent at it. And it's the same with our girls. You know, going to West Ooh, Indies and, uh, oh, and we places have, like that. We haven't told Grant about the swear jar. The swear jar. The swear jar. What's the swear jar? If you say girls, it's a dollar in the jar. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah, it's okay. Jar. That's all right. We'll just we'll just put <laughs> can it. Can I say there. our ladies? You, you can. Our sports people. Yes, you can say our sports people. You can say ladies. That's okay. fine. Yeah. Woman okay. players or our women. Our women <laughs> or our women. Um, so our guests today are Grant Elliott and uh, Sonia Gray. Sonia, when you were growing up, who was your favourite cricketer? Oh, absolutely, Richard Hadley. And you and Chatfield at the same time because he was from Nainai, which was kind of close mm. to me. I'm from the hut. Yeah. Um, and then as the years went on, Martin Crowe, the young guns, that was when my passion for cricket really came alive and, and oh, it was wonderful. Those The 1990s. Oh. Wonderful era for cricket. <laughs> Grant, speaking in a roundabout way, what have you made of the pitches in this tournament? Mm, well, I've played in the Caribbean League. That's mm. the only time where I, um, I've experienced them. And they, they're very low, and you actually don't know what to expect. They were the only the really good pitches I played on was at St. Lucia. Mm. haven't played in Antigua. Um, and I was drinking a lot of rum punch during that time. So I don't know if it was the pitches or just my <laughs> just play. Just the rum. <laughs> that, was, that was poor. But no, they are tough wickets to, um, to get going on t- in T20s. And we saw low scores. Mm. Um, a decent wicket you probably saw close to 180 to 200 otherwise you're getting a lot of 140s to 160 whenever you see that score of 140 to 160 you always know it's a little bit slow Mm. Mm. and that's you know pretty much a winning total in this tournament too I mean what we've seen without fail is when teams try to kick on from about the 14th or 15th over onwards they lose wickets and clumps Mm. Mm. and and that's what you find in the subcontinent um, or subcontinent conditions is that People coming in, it's very difficult to get the pace of the, the deck because it's so inconsistent. One might skid and one might stop. One turns, one doesn't. So, um, yeah, you have to be a really good ball striker to be able to come in and do that. Um, and I think we saw t- today in today's game where India tried to kick on and they just you know kept mm-hmm. losing wickets. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, well, we'll talk about India very soon. But first, uh, the first semi-final was the West Indies, the host country versus Australia. The West Indies won the toss and put Australia into bat. Aussie made 142 for five after a bit of a wobbly middle order where they had three quick wickets lost in the space of a few overs. But alas, it was Australia's day. The Windies completely capitulated. Another middle order collapse and they were all out for 71. Were you a bit disappointed by that result, Sonia? I was really disappointed. They were they were my team after New Zealand, and I think 
you know, seeing all those fans out there and the party atmosphere that they created. Mm. And I think that, did the government give them a half day off today? Oh. I think they did. I think the I, government should I do that for fa- us when the black cats play <laughs> yeah. and the white fans play. I totally agree. Yeah, which is wonderful. <laughs> but did that add to the pressure that the West Indian team were under? I mean, to me, they just looked like a team that, really, really, really wanted to win and just the pressure just got to them. Mm. It seemed an odd decision to decide to bowl first. I agree. I agree. I mean, most of the teams that we've seen win have batted second. Mind you, the pitches just get... Uh, have batted first, rather. Mm. Mind you, the pitches just get slower and slower and slower, it seems. But Australia played a nearly faultless game today. Mm. Yeah, they yeah. did. They were excellent, and outstanding in the field. And it just shows... I guess it shows you, though, about how professional they are. They are paid professionals. West Indies aren't. I mean, they do Mm. get a little bit of money, just like New Zealanders. But again, we go back to this professionalism thing. You know, England, um, Australia and, and India, they're all professionally paid. So I guess it does make a difference. I don't know, Grant, you're a professional cricketer. The fact that you didn't have to hold down a full time job and you were able to train and play, that must have been so lucky. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, when I heard I was coming here today and then discussing potentially these games and that, you look at the women's game and um, I've had a little bit to do with a lot of the, um, the, the Fern players and, you know, the fact that they're not professional and you've got England and Australia, um, you know, 12 months of the year as opposed to like, you know, holding a job down and maybe, you know, you treat it as semi-professional, I mm-hmm. guess. Whereas if you can go, right, I'm going to give this a solid go for three years. I'm paid to do it. I'm going to be around the you know, nutritionists, the psychologists, all those different facets of your game that you can actually spend a bit of time doing as opposed to just turning up to training, training for a few hours and then having to you know, put your work clothes on and going to work. Because I've worked and played as well, and it's tough. Mm. Um, it is really tough. And then you throw a family in there as well. <laughs> yeah. So if you're working, playing, family, it's like when do you actually get any time for you as well? Uh, yeah, it's got to be. It is. It is tough. What do you think needs to be done to make these women professional? Should they be paid professionally? Because there is an argument for why they shouldn't be. I don't think we're going to be too far away. Like I. I mean, you see, you know, the the women's big bash coming up, and you see all these competitions now. Um, it's a matter of time before you see the women's IPL. I'm guessing they played the curtain raiser last year, so um, I think I think it will will turn that way. And you know, w- one of the biggest things I was told, because obviously growing up in an all boys school and then playing with a men's cricket team and that, and then suddenly finding myself at work surrounded by seven women, I was like, whoa, this is different. Um, but uh, you know, something that's been expressed to me is that yeah. women are going to be the decision makers on a lot of the children's sport in the future. And, you know, the more women we can get going into cricket and sports in general, the more kids we're going to get going into sports. And I think sport really does play um, an important, crucial part to the foundation of of most most societies. Sonia, do you, do, you, do you agree? Oh, absolutely. And I think, too, we can't overlook the point that it is actually really entertaining. Mm, you know, I think I absolutely. think a lot of people don't turn on women's cricket because they think, oh, it's just a few women running around in little skirts, you know, trying to catch a ball and <laughs> not being able to hit the ball to the fence or over the fence. And it's actually they're just they're supreme athletes, and 
when it's good, it's really, really good. It's as good as the men's game, I think. Leah Tahuhu is bowling in the mid to late 120s, which makes her a medium pacer in the men's game at international level. You know, she's, she's an impressive player. Any tips player. for her? Any tips for I, her, Grant? She's, she's quicker than me. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get it up to the mid-20s when I was finishing, and I thought it's easier to take pace off the ball than it is to put it on. So it's good on her. No, no tips for her. She's doing well. I've seen her bowl. She actually yeah. looks like she gets it through quite quite well. Matali Raj being left out, I missed the reason for that, apart from that they just wanted to stick with the winning side. Mm. I mean, why would you leave out one of your best players? I really don't know. There was discussion about it from the commentators. They couldn't understand it either. Grant, any insight? Any thoughts? There's generally a little story behind it (laughs) that comes out later on, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, yeah, when something like that happens, I don't know, maybe she... Miss the team bus or something? Because you can be penalised. It all. It's depend. It's true though. It's dependent on your on your team and the and the culture and the rules that you agree to as a team. Mm. That's right, isn't it, Grant? I mean, if you uh, in teams that I've been involved with, well, you know, you know, we worked together when you were in the Black Caps. I was with New Zealand cricket, and this is like ten years ago. And then I went on to work with other international teams, and we had rules in place so that if you got drunk the night before a game, that was it. You were dropped. Mm. Um, and then that pressure came back on the team because you were dropped. You weren't playing. You know, um, so I guess, the, you know, and if you miss the team bus, then you get coded, you know, carded. And then if you don't, you know, wash your white, you know, put all your washing mm-hmm. out or something, you get carded again. And it, it, it all adds up. Yeah. Um, but what kind of little quirky things like that? Oh, would... yeah, we, we had fines. So yeah. we had like your daily allowance, whatever it was, if you were late, then, you know, it was daily allowance. And then you could toss the boss or you could toss the coin. And it either doubled or it was, uh, you know, went down to zero. Right. Um, so everyone was shouting, toss the boss, toss the boss. And your more adventurous ones would toss the boss and everyone would go, yeah. And then that would go into like a team fund or whatever, mm. into whatever we did. But then there's obviously the more serious kind of rules mm. that you're talking about where, you know, you've got to draw a line in the sand in a lot of, uh, you know, professional environments. But I take more of the stance of, you know, you always just have to ask yourself, Is this? am I doing what's in the best interest of the team? Mm. And if it's not, then you've probably got your answer whether you should be doing it or not. Um, so you treat, treat people like adults, and until they prove you wrong, you know, give them enough rope, and if they do it wrong, wrong once, that's all right. You know, just smack on the wrist, and then twice gone. Yeah, there's... Just to be devil's advocate for a moment, though, that team culture is obviously, it's intended to lead towards good results, right? Of course, yeah. Yeah. Is team culture more important than results? Before a semi-final, would you drop one of your outstanding players because they'd misbehaved in the previous couple of days? Oh, that's, yeah, that's a hard very, one. Eh? It depends what question. the depends what the behaviour is. Mm, it depends on the person, I reckon. Yeah. If it's a well, it, first of all, I wouldn't have a selfish person in my team anyway, so mm. I'd have to presume that they're a good team person. But if they break protocol, then it shows that they don't really care about the team before the semi-final. So I'd have to drop them. Yeah, we are speculating, of course. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're, just, we're just drawing on experiences here. Uh, <laughs> Grant Elliott and Sonia Gray are our co-hosts today. Uh, now we've been doing a little mini series on treasures at the New Zealand Cricket Museum with curator Jamie Bell, and today we get a bit of bit of inside knowledge about gloves. So we are looking at Pearl Seven's gloves from 1935. That's right. Wow. Can you explain what we're looking at here? So um, they're batting gloves that were awarded to Pearl Seven for being the best player in the Auckland team that played the English tourists in 1935. 
So it was um, the opening game of the, the tour, the first women's test tour of New Zealand. The English arrived off the boat at about lunchtime and walked down to Eden Park and played a game of cricket against Auckland. And Pearl was deemed to be the best performing Aucklander. And uh, she got a nice letter in the post from the Auckland, cricket Asso- Auckland Women's Cricket Association saying you've been selected and um, there's some gloves coming your way. They don't look like your traditional gloves though, do they? No, they've got the sort of sausage finger padding that you might be used to of a slightly older style of glove, but Mm. um, it's a bit disingenuous actually to call them gloves. They're more like um, padding that you slip onto the back of your hand. Yeah, and the thumb is detached as well. It's not like your typical Yeah, you've got a piece of elastic there sort of um, keeping it uh, together with the rest of them. So you're very, very different, but uh, for the time, I mean, they're made in England. They're William Sykes gloves, so they're a pretty good brand for the time. There wasn't a lot of sporting equipment in New Zealand at that time either. So, um, you know, they would have been probably quite a big deal for a 21-year-old who was sort of really just finding her way in cricket. And then, um, you know, not long after, she went and played a test match for New Zealand in Christchurch. Fantastic. What a great story. And it's right here at the um, Cricket Museum. They're actually located next to a pair of batting gloves, which... Uh, kind of interesting to describe. Um, how would you? Uh, these are from 1928, um, and these were commonly worn in the early 1900s. But can you describe what we're looking at here? Yeah, I guess um, I'm actually wearing a pair of cotton gloves for handling objects, and these aren't too dissimilar to that. Uh, and then on the back, they've got kind of a steampunk strip of green rubber spikes. Yeah, uh, that's the extent of the protection. Um, they, they do date from pretty early on, but we do get the odd person coming through who remembers having them in the kit bag for their club in sort of the 70s and 80s. Uh, yeah, they wouldn't have offered a lot of protection. So the evolution of gloves went from these spiked gloves to the sausage fingers, and then what? Well, they haven't really gone much further than that, to be honest. And that's the interesting thing, I think, with a lot of cricket equipment is that um, in a lot of cases, they actually got the protective gear down fairly early on. That was Jamie Bell, curator of the New Zealand Cricket Museum, talking about Pearl Savin's gloves. Um, Grant, Elliot, I'm sure I saw a few of your things in there. I um, <laughs> Yeah, I lent a few things to Jamie. I gave the semi-final bat and the Sorry. trophy, or uh, the medal, mm. the World Cup, uh, yeah. yeah, second place medal. Do you get it back, <laughs> though? Do you get the bat back? Yeah, so he, he um, got it valued. So I was quite interested. I was like, oh, how much is it worth? How much is it worth? It's valued by an Australian company, so already you know it's not going to be valued. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, we've got a couple of World Cups anyway. This is second place. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think you put a uh, value on it. Um, yeah. What's your favourite piece of memorabilia that you have, Grant? Mm. I do have the world record. So myself and Luke Ronke got the world record, one-day record for six-wicket partnership. So I got a stump there that we've both signed. I've kept stumps. So every game where I've batted towards the end of the game or finished the game um, and got a decent-ish score, um, I've kept the stumps against Pakistan in the semifinals of the Champions Trophy, Um, uh, Chapel Hadley against Aussie and semifinals. So I've got those stumps, which is quite nice. cool. Yeah, Sonia, how about you? Do you have any cricket memorabilia or actually so any much, sport so memorabilia? So much from yeah. my, my many successful innings. <laughs> not, not really. No, <laughs> d- different question what for a, you then. If yeah, you could yeah. have one piece of cricket memorabilia, what would you choose? I'm going to get back to you on that. <laughs> you've, you've really, you've, mm, you've, you've stumped me. Excuse the oh, pun. Wow. Sorry, but I'm we not the first person. We should have a swear person. jar for that too. Yeah. <laughs> 
I tell you what, it's not it's not obviously mine, but I have held the ball from the underarm game in 1981 because, of course, the Beige Brigade here in New Zealand have yeah. it. Uh-huh. And um, it was put on a... Uh, myself and a guy called David Geary wrote a play called The Underarm, um, which toured for New Zealand and Australia for about five or six years. And, wow. and at the opening night, the Beige Brigade turned up. They lent us the, um, the, the ball. They put it on a wee pedestal and they had two bouncers standing on either side of it. And every time someone stepped too close to it, they would step forward and put out a hand and say, hey, <laughs> stop. So I've, I've held the underarm ball. That would be up there in my list of things. But oh. possible piece of cricket memorabilia, Richard Headley aside, because, of course, I just about collect anything of, of, of his. I would I would keep the glare Grant Elliott gave Paul Collingwood when you got run out in that game in England when you bashed mm, into um, good uh, side bottom. Yeah. Because that was a cracker. Yeah, we, we've made amends since then. We've actually become friends, so... That Good was man. that was interesting. <laughs> I played in the World <laughs> Eleven with him, and he brought it up first drink we had. <laughs> it's uh, funny, but uh, I've just me. thought about my favourite piece of memorabilia. Uh, oh. When I was uh, fourteen, I I went and got a nice photo print of Viv Richards celebrating nice. the quickest Test hundred, which is not oh, the class. quickest Test hundred now. Black and white, and he was jumping in the air because I knew he was going to be at this talk, and I got him to sign it. So I've got to frame that at some stage. That's awesome. so cool. Can I ask a, a question about memorabilia? More about memories. What is your, Grant, what's your favourite cricket memory? I feel like there must be a better way to say that. Your most memorable cricket experience. <laughs> it's actually not on field. It's more the off-field stuff. Um, you know, uh, really? sharing, that. Yeah, sharing drinks with the guys in the change room and just having a lot of fun. Um, I did try and leave a legacy behind in the, the Black Caps team. So I was like, I've got to leave something, you know. So, um, the, so I think it was called the Cornet. Is it called the Cornet? Like a horn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, Cornet. Yeah. So Matt Henry was a Cornet player. Huh. So I found this out and I was living next to uh, the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra um, concertmaster. So I was like, listen, any chance you can get me a Cornet? And he was like, yeah, I think I can. So um, he got me this Cornet. So I smuggled it into the team. Um, and then we won the Chapel Hadley. And I was like, right, <laughs> there you go. Here's a cornet. Because we do, we do say that like a, uh, there's a mantra that we sort of um, all shout out uh, when we win a series. So I thought the cornet play could be the start of the mantra. So Matt Henry, he blasted out a few terrible notes. And then our analyst, um, Warren, just got it. He was a cornet player as well, and he played the... Uh, last post, and we thought, no, nah, well, you can't play that before. Uh, so then all my le- my legacy was gone. But I think the cornet still is traveling around somewhere. Wow, and what's the mantra that you that you say? Can you share it with no, us? No, I can't. It's a secret. Oh, uh, well, uh, let's give our predictions uh, for the final, which is going to be at 1 o'clock New Zealand time on Sunday. England versus Australia. Grant, who do you reckon? England. Yeah, why? Mm, I think their pitches are slower. I think they might be better at playing spin. Mm. Sonia, what do you think? Oh, definitely Australia. I hate to say it, but absolutely. I watched them today. I can't see them being beaten. Mm. Justin, what are your thoughts? I'm going to go with Grant and say England because what I saw of their batting today, they've worked out how to bat on these pitches. And I think their bowling lineup suits it more. 
and they just seem to have their head in the game. Like I say, Australia looked like a fearsome machine, but there was mm. something about England that made me think, you guys are thinking, you've worked this out, you know what's going on. Yeah. So I'm going to go England, but uh, mm. with qualifications, I've been wrong about everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> so well, you yeah. know, which is the job of an armchair pundit, isn't it? That's mm. our greatest talent. But no, I'm going England. Yeah, okay, well, fair enough. I, To be honest, I'd like to see Australia win. They beat us in the pool play, uh, and it would be great if we got behind our trans-Tasman sisters. Um, yeah, I uh, just... Do you oh, think they can win, though? I think they can win. I think they can win. I mean, there, there's a really strong rivalry between Australia and England, um, and they're both, you know, we keep coming back to this word, but they're both professionals, so I think the two, it's going to be a tight game. It's going to be a fantastic game, I think. I mean, really, if you get Elisa Healy out early, mm. and, you know, and they, the thing is they do have depth with their batting, mm. which we saw today, um, but these are the moments that change the game, aren't they? When, when Healy was dropped... Um, when we were playing her on eleven, then oh, that yeah. could have changed the game. You know, it's these. We, you know, it's all very well to predict, but it's a, it's a cruel game. It I is. think it'll come down to the two captains. I mean, I think Meg Lanning is an outstanding mm. player and an outstanding captain. But Heather mm. Knight today really impressed oh, she, me with the field placements and her tactics. I agree. Yeah, I'm going to be so intri- calm too, yeah. isn't she? Yeah. Grant, if you win the toss in this condition and you're in the final, what should you do? I always think that you should. Yeah, I'm a big fan of batting second. You're a big fan I of batting second? Yeah, players. I am, because I That's love to know what you're going to get. And then yeah. you've got no, like, you'd be so gutted if you scored 140 for two or three, mm. and then they get it off the last ball. You're like, oh, we should have got 145 or 150. Mm. I just, as captain, I'm always like, no, nah, bat second. Huh. Because the pitch, it's only it's only sort of three hours, mm. so the pitch shouldn't really change much in the in that time. Um they so, seem to be, though. They yeah. do seem to be. Depends Depends how dusty they really are at the start. If the Hessian's mm. on before, that's the only reason why you would uh, potentially bat first. Mm. But, I mean, do you fancy a bit of a bowl on these pitches? Back of length, jagging oh, in? Oh, yes, Suchy. yeah. I love, the, I love these sort of pitches. Come in, hit it underneath the knee roll, like real <laughs> tired pace, nothing to work with. But you, you've all mentioned it. The big, the big thing about going into these sort of games, finals and semifinals, is you want your big-name players to stand up. So mm-hmm. whoever those senior players are and big-name players, everyone looks at them and the pressure's on them. Um, and whoever's big-name players stand up um, and perform on the day is generally going to be in the team with the W. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, uh, before we go, normally, Grant, we have this uh, this section where we call pro tip. So we're going to get a pro tip from you and a pro tip from Sonia for being a fan. So, Grant, what's your pro tip? And it could be anything to do with cricket. My pro tip is that if the wicket is really tired um, and you think it's unacceptable wicket, just bat in it. Practice playing spin. So what we tend to do is when the wicket gets tired, we prepare a new one and a nice wicket. But actually get in there and actually try and test yourself in those conditions so you can practice playing spin. It's one thing that I wish I'd done a lot more of when I, uh, when I played. That's good advice. How about you, Sonia? Um, well, pro tip, uh, as a professional fan... <laughs> I'm not really paid are. that well <laughs> at all. Um, three words, hang in there. Monday night, many people went to bed when Pakistan were four down. <laughs> not looking at anyone. Some of us need more beauty sleep than others. We hang in there. And, you know, you can, 
Look, run a quick single to the fridge, just but just stay by the telly <laughs> because it can. That's a wonderful thing about cricket. Mm. It can change. Yeah, anything what can it, happen. That was the slogan mm. for New Zealand cricket for a while, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about a pro tip as a as a performer, as a presenter, as someone who's in the public eye a lot? You've got to stand up and do lotto live each night. What yeah. are your pro tips for dealing with that kind of stress? Well, you know, it's so different because it's not really about me. I mean, it's a ball game like cricket is, but I'm not. I mean, that, that, I think that's one of the reasons I love the game so much because I, even if I had the talent, I would not have the mental strength to do what Grant does and what these players do to actually put myself out there knowing that I might finish elated and on top of the world or want to just slip my wrist. <laughs> you know, it's just so, you know, that. So, yeah, I mean, it's all very well doing what I do, but um, I think what they do is a lot harder and I think they're amazing. You are the second longest running lotto presenter. Are you going yes, for the record? I am. Only three more years to beat Hillary Timmons. <laughs> <laughs> Only three more years? Yeah. <laughs> Gigs a gig, eh? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I've called a lot of numbers. In my, I'm very good with numbers. Someone <laughs> asked me what I did when I was away recently, and I said, I'm a numerologist, <laughs> which, you know. <laughs> Quite right. I can read it a six and a nine upside down. Are you allowed to buy a lotto ticket? Absolutely. And I, buy, I have had the same numbers for 20-odd years. Oh, you dangerous. Yeah, do, you want, do you want to tell them what to so us So dangerous. <laughs> do you know dangerous? why that's dangerous? Is because if you I'd don't it, order it for a week, then yeah, you've got those oh, set numbers well, and it comes can't. through. Like, you imagine no! if you're standing yeah. next to the machine like I was last year, you forgot to buy your ticket and the first three balls that come out are yours. No. It's terrible. I was the sweat, the everything. <laughs> I just, I was just, oh, it was just, yeah. I wouldn't go going, through. Sonia seems a bit distracted tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had to watch it back to see if it was actually visible. No, so now I just get it on subscription because um, yeah, good. I just, but no, honestly, I'm really unlucky. The most I've ever won is $33. However, how long have you been on Lotto for 13 now? years. You've wow. probably made more money out of Lotto than most yeah. people. Well, yes, that's true. <laughs> yes, yeah. Disclaimer, yes, I have. <laughs> ah, well, on that note, uh, join us on Sunday. We'll be bringing you the final episode of Not Your Average Cricket Show. I can't believe how fast this has gone, Justin. Can you? Yeah, oh. well, T20 competitions yeah, don't quick. take a long time. Yeah, this is true. Uh, and on Sunday, we'll be joined for Minister, with Minister of Sport Grant Robertson and comedian James Nikise. I'm sure there'll be a few googlies thrown around in that one. We definitely need a cricket pun swear jar. Not Your Average Cricket Show was produced and presented by me, Justin Gregory, and Zoe George. The engineer is William Saunders. The executive producer is Tim Watkin. You can subscribe to every Not Your Average Cricket Show podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, or at radionz.co.nz forward slash series. And while you're on Apple, please rate us by clicking on ratings and review. Then the stars, it's dead easy and really important. This way more people get to hear about us. And if you want to share your picks for the winner or tell us about how we're doing, you can email us cricket at rnz.co.nz. Not all or my everybody. Catch you Sunday. Catch you later.